When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Tonaris podcast. I'm your host, James, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Timmy Long. Hi, everyone. Sean is on the switcher. How are you, Sean? Not too bad. How are you? I'm not too bad, bye. <laughs> <laughs> Martin Davrin, the chief executive or the executive director of the Sexual Health Centre, is our guest today. How are you, Martin? I'm good, thanks, lads. How are you? Very well. Thanks for joining us. I'm yeah. No, here. you've been a guest. Uh, you've been somebody that has been recommended a lot. You know, particularly by one man, Donald. <laughs> yeah. Donald, um, Donald. He speaks very highly, yeah. Donald Clifford. Oh, yeah. He speaks yeah, very highly, yeah, and did. your work and, Salt. Your, and what you do. And um, before we do get into the, the podcast and you start explaining a few things to us, let us know who you are and where you came from. So where you grew up and um, you told us beforehand you were a clear man, so how you even made it down here to go. <laughs> so... If you want to begin at the start. Yeah, so um, move, yeah, I grew up in Arclare, um, uh, close to Belly Vaughan, so almost on the Galway border. And was looking around for things to do in college and what would I do when I came to Leaving Cert. And public health and health promotion was in UCC at the time. And it was the only course in Ireland that had public health and health promotion. Uh, like we'd come to Cork on holidays, but I knew nothing about Cork. But anyway off I went applied and started um, loved my time in UCC it was great and public health was a really good fit for me actually um, it was a really small class it was like going from secondary school to secondary school again because there was only 24 of us in the mm. year uh, and the school that I joined were really supportive just a really nice environment to be in and I always wanted to work in something to do with healthcare but I couldn't have been in a, a front line like doctor or nurse mm. like the idea of that just way too stressful and I think very challenging. Mm. So public health was a lovely mix um, where you are involved in healthcare and could be involved in policy or change or improving someone's life um, without having to learn how to take blood from a patient. <laughs> so I um, I did that and then the opportunity came to do a master's afterwards so I kept going. Uh, always said I wouldn't but did. What did you do your master's on? It was in public health as well actually. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't moving too far from that school. Yeah. I settled in yeah. and, and that was it. Um, so my master's then was on, um, was specialising more in health promotion area. Um, and during the master's an opportunity came up to apply for a PhD. So I kind of never saw it coming but it was a really good fit. The PhD was on alcohol use among the university student population in Ireland. Um, and it was kind of co-funded by UCC. They were looking to do something. Mm. Um, and it was a, I applied and got it. And it was a brilliant opportunity for me. Like, it was great. Uh, that must have been an interesting topic. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm interested to hear more about yeah. that. What, what, what were your findings? Or what, what were the key findings to yeah. stand out to So I did this, what was called mixed method study. So it was like, Qualitative interviews where you spoke with students about their experience of what it was like to yeah. be living in college and transition into a university sector, maybe move away from home and start their lives with their peers. And then we did a big survey of um, university students as well. So I had over 2000 responses to that. The biggest findings in that were that actually years ago, it used to be the fact that um, maybe male students were drinking to a more hazardous level than female students. But at that point in time, uh, which is around 2015, the levels had changed. So it was around two thirds at that point in time, but both male and females were reporting hazardous alcohol consumption for about two thirds of the population. 
Um, and the interviews then were really interesting. So I tried to create kind of, my PhD was focused on creating typologies of drinkers. So like, what type of person are you? And what's, what's your relationship with alcohol and your relationship with your social life? So the, the interviews were great because people were really open and honest about their experience. Yeah. You know, like why they started drinking or why alcohol had become such an important aspect of their university experience. Mm. Um, and how they got involved in it. and and people spoke about the need to make new friends and try to yeah. find a friend group when they got to college and how they had the secondary school crew but mm. they joined a new course or they'd moved away from home and they didn't know anyone and socializing was the only opportunity they had mm. um so so it was it was brilliant and the phd was also great because i suppose the university had half invested in it mm and we're trying to make changes around that so um that led to the development of react then which was responding to excessive alcohol consumption in third level um and that was a health promotion initiative kind of looking at the setting of the university so how can we create more social spaces that aren't alcohol focused for mm. people who are attending uh, third level or mm. um how can we provide more environments with support services policies that aren't you know that not every university mm. event has alcohol at it or mm. um things like that there so, seems to be always a problem with alcohol consumption up around uh, colleges college roads yeah. with the students and stuff and and even during my own time out in mtu and having some of the students the younger students in my class i was always i was saying i was thinking to myself you know because I drink like i'm, I'm an alcoholic myself mm. and I said, like, a lot of these kids are from the countryside and it's their first time without their mothers and fathers telling them what to do and what time to be home. And yeah. it's like, they're just after being left out of the cage and yeah. they're out and they're enjoying themselves. And a lot of them probably never drank before and they probably lack self-esteem and confidence. Mm. And now all of a sudden they're in college, right? They're drinking, which is giving them confidence and mm. their self-esteem is getting better and... And they don't have to be home at a certain time. They can stay out all night if they like. Mm. I think it's fantastic. Like my, like that would be one of my main understandings of why alcohol consumption within the college, third level education is so high. Yeah. Because of because of that. Yeah. And that was my understanding of it. Mm. You know? Would you agree? Oh, totally. Like that point in time, people talk about it as emerging adulthood. You know, yeah. you're trying to find your peer group. You're trying to set yourself up as an adult. You've moved out of home where maybe all your decisions were <laughs> taken away from you in a way and you just went along with whatever yeah. and you had this you have this immense amount of freedom as mm. myself like it was it was a great time where you're learning about yourself mm. and you have a whole new life that's opened up to you um and there's a great excitement to that but there's a challenge to it as well and, yeah. and some people find it very challenging i think to to navigate that for themselves mm effectively yeah and you made a good point as well about the young people coming up from rural or country areas coming into the city mm. and I, I remember um cameron blair was tragically murdered mm. over on um over by shaman crawford street there mm. but um you know you have young, young fellas not from the city coming up to the city mm. and then if they're shared shared accommodation there might be parties but then they cross paths with fellas from the city and they're different cultures you know Mm. And the city isn't as safe as Clannacilty or, you know, some of the rural areas, you know what I mean? Mm. And stuff that might have gotten resolved kind of amicably, maybe in the country, there'll be weapons used in, in the city and <coughs> young fellas from very deprived backgrounds yeah. are not making excuses for anybody now, but, you know, young fellas can be a bit more wilder yeah. and they mightn't be a part of the college, but because where the college is situated... There's going to be a lot of footfall, you know, and sometimes the point I'm trying to make is young fellas not from the city. You have to be careful yeah. when you're in the city drinking because it's not as safe as drinking back mm. in your rural town. Yeah. And you are more likely to bump into young fellas that might be carrying weapons and just to walk away. If you have an opportunity to walk away from a fight, walk away. Or if you're going to be drinking, don't drink. Keep yourself safe, you know. Mm. Yeah, it's a different environment, like, isn't it? Absolutely. It is. yeah. Yeah. What about... Um, what about... Um, 
sex and yeah. like when you were doing that study did anything come up about sex and yeah. maybe sexual assaults or sexual misconduct while people are under the influence was any yeah. talk about that uh so mine didn't focus on sexual assaults but uh, there's a good bit of research that points to that but what mine did focus on was uh, people's um the, the association between maybe unprotected or unintended sexual encounters oh. after alcohol use. So yeah, people's inhibitions are lowered, yeah. you know. Um, it kind of goes out the window, really, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. And so at that point in time, people were reporting high levels of unintended or unprotected sexual encounters and maybe making decisions that they may not have made mm. if they weren't under the influence of alcohol. Was it, was it a touchy subject for a lot of students doing the the, the interviews? Like, in, time, in terms of touchy, you know what I mean is, was there a lot of shame in, uh, associated with, with, with that subject with them, that mm. they didn't want to really admit that they're meeting people on one night stands and having sex with people unprotected? stuff like that did that happen or, or um i suppose it, it didn't it didn't like everything there's a kind of there's a bit of everyone you meet you yeah. know when you do when you do these interviews so for some people yeah there there may have been um and for others people were very open i suppose mm. with the interviews people got to kind of opt in so if it was something that they were interested in getting involved in or they want to speak more about they could mm. and it was the great thing about being part of UCC there is good support structures available so um, there is student health services excellent and was a referral pathway for anybody to, where something did come up for them you know and they, they were worried um, or there's UCC counselling services there as well there's peer support services um, across UCC so they had done I suppose there was an awful lot of supports available before I went and spoke to anybody and they were all signposted to them afterwards and oh, so that that was available for people mm. okay. so like let's dive right in yeah so in your eyes what what way is the the state of of um sexual health scene in ireland at the moment yeah so sexual health really is a kind of a an ever-changing evolving landscape of our society isn't it you know mm. it's an intimate part of a person's life so it's it's not too often spoken about and that's why it's mm. great to be here you know to to give it a platform um we always talk about the awkward stuff here. Yeah, yeah, it's great. <laughs> yeah. It's great. Um, and I think for for sexual health, because it's an intimate part of a person's life, people always try and, and move it away from their own experience. So people like to move it into a young people's issue or uh, an older person's issue. They don't want to, to name it for their own population or maybe age cohort. Mm. Um, but sexual health has really improved, I think, and the services associated with sexual health have, have transformed over the years. So the organisation I work for, which is the Sexual Health Centre, and we're just behind the Mercy Hospital, opened its doors originally as Cork AIDS Alliance in 1980s. So it was in 1987 it opened. And that was at the height of the epidemic in relation to HIV. Um, and at that point in time, it was a therapeutic organisation and, and supporting people... Um, as they were diagnosed and, and giving them care um, in a house that was actually based out near Wilton at the mm. point in time. Um, but I suppose the needs for sexual health then changed. So in the 90s, uh, the organisation changed its name and became the Sexual Health Centre and broadened its remit mm. to support people in a variety of ways. Um, I think with sexual health, people often go to sexual health equals a sexually transmitted infection. Yeah. You know, that's what they think of straight away. Mm. But it's, it's not, it's much broader than that. Like sexual health can be anything from uh, your relationship and having a healthy relationship with yourself and with others. Um, includes consent, includes your sexuality, your gender identity. It can be about your pregnancy journey. It can be about your experience in intimate relationships and how that's working for you mm -hmm. or not working for you at that point in even, time. Even knowledge around your partner. Do you know? Yeah. We spoke with um, Grace O'Shea yeah who's an occupational therapist mm. specializing in sex and uh she was speaking about like um not all women are the same sometimes you need to use lubricant you mm. know but like mm. men can be a bit ignorant to stuff like this you know what i mean and you think like if you're after having a, a sexual uh intercourse with one woman it's going to be the same with the next woman but like sexual health it encompasses the educational piece as well mm. and having the communication around that as well so mm. 
having kind of open channels of communication between you and your partner um, because everyone has their own likes and dislikes and, and their own needs mm. um, so it's just it's not a one size fits all approach Like, you, you know, think a lot of men's likes today are in relation to what they're watching on porn yeah so pornography is one of the biggest issues I think facing us internationally like the Centre for Disease Control came out a few years ago and said that porn was one of the emerging epidemics worldwide it's the most Google thing mm. every single day um, and one recently now how recent but a few years ago the health behavior in school children report um noted that most young people were getting their education in relation to sexual health via pornography and that is, is it tell me is it healthy or unhealthy or in between no sure. pornography is is uh, it's an it's act, act. Yeah. yeah so they're actors yeah. paid to do a role there's a script there's a a way it's supposed to work it's it can't Edit, be true. Editing done and yeah, it can't be true for real life. You know, like it's it's totally yeah. different. And, and even the way some of the men treat the the women on camera, um, and some of the the, the mm. some of the sex that they perform is degrading. Yeah. It is. It's yeah. not love. It's not two two adults consenting to a certain yeah. way of of having sex. It's it's degrading for the woman. Yeah. Mm straight away and if you don't if you're a, a young girl and you don't have the wisdom to know to know this you will feel that maybe you are supposed to be submissive maybe you are supposed to just take this rough or take this you know in this way and maybe it is meant to be a cold experience and mm. you're just objectified you know and that's a sad kind of reality for some women you know some girls mm. that that's that's how they're having their sexual encounters at that age um do you come? To, do you get girls coming to your centre that had kind of sexual experiences like that at a young age and traumatised from it? Uh, so I suppose for our organisation, we've we've a number of different arms. One of them would be um, our health promotion arm. So we've a, a number of health promotion officers that go out and meet people in an outreach capacity. So yeah. one of those would be um, our young people's health promotion officer who goes out to youth reaches or. Yeah. Um, individuals in non-formal education settings yeah. so sometimes they haven't received any RSE you know there's mm. never been relationship and sexuality education mm. um, that's with the ETB isn't it with the ETB uh, yeah I was yeah. at the ETB that time when uh, Roe Griffin was kind of and Mick Finn was oh yeah they're down. great they're a nice team aren't oh, they? a lovely team yeah, yeah and really supportive of us they're, they've been brilliant um, and that's a really important um, programme you know it's a three week workshop and it goes through everything from pornography to healthy relationships to communication and how you communicate with your partner um mm. consent sexually transmitted infections and what support services are available you know sometimes people might have a worry or a concern but they don't know where to signpost themselves yeah. to um and so that program at least at the end of it the young people are furnished with right if i do i may not need this service today but in two years time five years time ten years time if I do, I know where I can look and You're where I find the seed, aren't you? Yeah. For that might bear fruit down the line. And so that's the young people and the other spectrum then, right? I visited a community health project. I won't say where, just for the, you know, protect the people that attended the group. Yeah. Mm. But the group was for older women. Oh, yeah. And it was on sexual health for older women. And I was told that there was a lot of older women in the area presenting with STIs mm. that for the first time probably in their lives there's no husband the husband might have passed away or they might be um, they might be bereaved or they might be divorced the kids have grown up and they're sexually active now maybe for the first time since they were very young but they don't have any awareness around the dangers of it or they might think that STIs is for younger people mm. and there was more and more women and men older presenting with issues related to lack of education did you ever come across anything like that? Yeah, so if you think, even if you think for older people, what the sexual health education was like for them when they were growing up was virtually non-existent. non-existent like that priest in Kerry. Oh yeah, Father Sheehy. Yeah, it was bad old, yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like, and that was that was the way it had to be. You know, there was rules around how life was supposed to work and how society was supposed to yeah. be. Um, 
And for loads of those people, they would have never, you know, sex was never spoken about and never spoken about in a positive way if it was to come up. It was that people just weren't supposed to speak about it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do, yeah, we've, we, we've another health promotion program that looks at outreach support for um, other marginalised groups. So people who are engaged in probation services, people who are engaged in injecting drug use from migrant communities, individuals from migrant communities. Um, individuals who are gay, bisexual or men who are sex with men and people who maybe didn't get the sexual health education that they needed at mm. any point in time. Mm-hmm. So even like for that example you gave there, James, of like somebody who's starting a new relationship later in life who may not be aware of the risks, the supports, the services, mm. even for STI screening services, where they would go. Mm. Um, should they have a query or if they want to ask a question mm. um so oftentimes yeah it's it's really important to give them that information as well and signpost them to where they want and often people just want a signpost you know so yeah. there's there's an education piece where you're building their capacity to provide them with the information they need be it in relation to relationships or in relation to stis or in relation to consent or whatever it might be and then sometimes people just need the in bit, which is like, I don't need you now, yeah. but I know where to go. Yeah. And I yeah. can signpost myself into that service should I need it. Yeah. I was thinking then, like at that age, they would put out the pasture, but fair play to them, do you know? Yeah. They, you know, they're keeping active and all that. Yeah. yeah. But you uh, kind of hit the nose there recently with the Fair or Sheehy comments below. I think I tagged you on Twitter. <laughs> Did you see them, Timmy? No. Timmy, don't be on social media, but right. this thing went viral two weeks ago. So this priest gave a sermon in Listol in Mass, but he spoke terrible about gay people, LGBT people, okay. and he spoke. He gave this one story then about how this woman said to him that his daughter was in Tralee during the weekend and she got a condom off somebody working from the HSE out of a bus. And like they're they're out there promoting promiscuity and sex, and he was saying that it was a terrible thing. But I was there. I know who that bus was. Yeah. That was your bus, wasn't it? Yeah, it was our bus. I'd say I can't be sure, but I'm sure it was Dash. Yeah, yeah. 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 Tell us about the bus. Yeah. Oh, but, you know we're really proud of the bus and delighted. We're very lucky to have received funding um, from HSE in CHO four to deliver the bus in collaboration with Cork Local Drug and Alcohol Task Force and the Southern Regional Drug and Alcohol Task Force. So DASH stands for Drugs, Alcohol and Sexual Health um, because people don't take a risk in a silo. Like you don't, like we were talking about earlier with unintended and unexpected maybe sexual encounters after alcohol, that's what happens. Risk comes in in multiple areas. And so providing support for one and not providing support for the other um, is sometimes counterintuitive. Because if you're you're somebody, especially somebody in addiction, they they have no regard for their health. No. And that includes the sexual side yeah. of it. Yeah. Like if they're not going to the doctor to address a wound on their arm, they're definitely not putting on a condom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. So like it's it's great to have that initiative. Yeah, it's great. It's great. So we launched in twenty twenty one, um, and yeah, it's been busy since. So it's a mobile health unit. It's a, a van, um, and it's going across Cork and Kerry. So oftentimes, one of the issues with support services is, and and we are there, and many are are doing great work but are limited by the fact that of their location you know like us we're in the center of town and we expected people pre-covid to come to us you know it was like mm. wherever you are across Cork county you have to find yourself at 16 peter street if you want to service yeah dash changes that because it puts all of our services into the back of a van and transports us down to bantry or off to killarney into Tralee. um and so we can meet people where they're at and provide a service for them um, in their local town so yeah there's been loads of learning with it but it's been really good so and that service does that come with um, the bus does it come with some some form of a counsellor or somebody to, that a lot of people could talk about sexual health issues to uh, whoever's on the bus yeah so we what we the way it's worked so far is we usually work with community groups in different areas so um, there might be a family resource centre or there might be a community organisation that's working in a local town and we'll use their car park to park up. Uh-huh. We'll have a health promotion stand as part of um, as part of the outreach. So that'll include everything from information around cool mine and drug and alcohol workers if anyone has any questions that they can link themselves back to that. Um, that's or, a great service. 
Yeah. It's brilliant. You know, if there's a community group now in uh, some part of Cork and Kerry at the moment and they they want to book you, can they actually do that? Can they ring up and say, look, we have a group here, or do you mind coming down to us? 100% Katrina would only be delighted to hear from them. Yeah. So it's dash at sexualhealthcentre.com and um, email away where the bus, we always think of um, it as it's a mobile health unit for the community, you know, so once it's in use and it's yeah. out and about and people are engaging with it, mm. it's it's brilliant for us. It's a fantastic idea. What it reminds me of is the the bus the city library used to have years ago and they'd go to all the rural towns yeah. and they'd have people come on and they'd yeah. get their few books <laughs> until the week next. Don't mind laughing about no. Do you remember the good news caravan? I do. There was there was uh, no warning. Kind of the good news caravan they were born again Christians I laugh and know because they used to get some abuse but it was uh, the good news caravan used to drive around the north side anyway one size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on same goes for healthcare that's why United Healthcare offers flexible budget friendly coverage for medical vision dental and more learn more at uh1.com Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Definitely. I don't know about anywhere else, but you used to come up to Nottingham in Halle Hill, but it was born again Christians, but it was like a mobile sermon, mm. and they'd pull into the estate, and they'd do mass in the back of the van, but they used to get but, battered with rocks and eggs. But and, you know what? It used to be packed as well, because the... <laughs> They used to give the kids sweets and they'd feed, they'd feed you like, and oh, they right, give you, right. you know. So, like back then, a lot of the kids were starving. Yeah. So like they'd be in here, like it was like years ago when the English started feeding uh, the Irish people mm. during the famine, mm. and they had to change their names. Right. You know, Take it, was like, it was like yeah. these people yeah. knew if you feed the Irish, they will come. Know, yeah. <laughs> you know. But they, like, they used to get some abuse, wasn't they? They did. Oh, they, Jesus Christ, they got, they got tortured. Like, and they didn't come back anymore after a certain amount of time because yeah. it was just too, it was too much for them. They, like, we were probably the worst place to go to with with, with that kind of world. Mm-hmm. You know, we were really full of crime in that area, full of crime, full of poverty, uncultivated. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and. Um, it's, go- the, it's the same idea it's like a, yeah. a sort of outreach you know yeah. don't don't let the people that need you the most I mean, to come to you why don't you go to them yeah. and make yeah. it more accessible yeah so um, do you know like the, with, with that fire she without labouring the point but how damaging are those or do you think he's preaching to a minority in this day and age I hope he's preaching to a minority in this day and age but then I'm living in a bubble like yeah. you know I'm in I'm working for an organisation that's very open. Sexual health star every day. Yeah. It's it's great. I have a community of friends that are very open and very non-judgmental. So maybe it's it's easy for me to say, oh, maybe he's preaching to a minority. Yeah. Well, maybe in fact, in fact, he's not. Mm. Um, Isn't that such a safe space that you just spoke about? Yeah, that bubble. Yeah, it is where really. people can really, really be themselves and they don't have to pretend to be somebody else. Yeah, you know, like, and and, I, and the other side of it is then is whoever does believe in this this priest and what he's saying, like, mm. you only feel sorry for them because they're living their lives in a different way. Yeah, where their understanding of how to live and 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 how certain people should live their lives is wrong. Yeah, you know, 
it's very, well, it's a really judgmental space as well. Like everyone's just trying to navigate the world, and we're all just looking for happiness, yeah. you know. Mm. And and this person saying that you know that priest and and condemning many of us, myself included, as a gay man, like mm. it's mm. a really challenging space to be yeah. at. Yeah. Where it was a very hatred-led speech for a group of people, yeah. and it's nothing got to do with Jesus. No, there's nothing. There's, Jesus, like. Jesus doesn't talk about hatred for that's, any groups. Yeah. That's why I have a big problem when I hear people like this talking like that. Like yeah. Jesus is 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 our our God is is somebody that doesn't judge anybody. Mm. Tolerance, no color, or no matter mm. what way you are, you're gay, you're straight, you're you're lesbian. God doesn't judge you in anything. But you have people like the this priest mm. who do judge mm. but it's not the way of God mm. you know it's not the way of God and, and it just does not make sense no. you know it yeah. doesn't make sense do you know Robbie Lawler I do he was yeah. on the Tommy Terran show and he spoke about HIV figures HIV and AIDS or HIV or AIDS I can't remember um, this now was about a year or two ago yeah, yeah. he was Maybe saying that up. They were bigger, the, the, the figures, the numbers were bigger now than they ever were in the height of the AIDS epidemic in Ireland. I thought that was eye-opening. Mm. What, what way is the, the HIV AIDS scene in Cork or would you have any data? Yeah, so as I said at the start, we started Cork AIDS Alliance and HIV work is still a crucial part of the work that we do. Mm. So we have a HIV counselling service, a HIV support service, and then um, one of our biggest services is our rapid HIV testing service. Mm. So um, for anyone who's living with or affected by HIV, they can contact us and we'll link them into counselling straight away. Yeah. Um, and the numbers for that service have been growing over the last number of years, which is fantastic. People have found us and they're reaching out for support and they're mm. getting the support they need. Um, for our rapid HIV testing service, it's, it's great. So for now, you can get your result in relation to HIV in one minute. It's a finger prick test. Uh, and that's a service that's out on Dash as well, so it goes out to really? communities for mm. people. But you don't give the result on the spot, do you? Give the result on the spot, yeah. Really? Yeah, so um, I suppose HIV has transformed as well throughout the years. Like when we think about when, in the 80s, when that epidemic started, people would remember the ads and all yeah, the public yeah. health responses that were coming through. But the medication in relation to HIV is unbelievable today. So if you are... If you are HIV positive and you take treatment as prescribed um, uh, and the treatment is so good, it will get the virus in your blood to an undetectable level. What that means is that undetectable, you are unable to transmit that virus. So pass it on. You can pass it on. Mm. You absolutely can. Pass That's it on. absolutely amazing. It's amazing. That must make people feel so much better on themselves because yeah. there was such a stigma yeah. around HIV for many many years yeah. you know and, and and the reason I said the reason I was kind of held back mm. when when you um you you said you do the HIV testing on the spot and you give yeah. the result I was saying so it used to be a couple that must of months traumatizing for somebody yeah. Yeah. like like would you have to have somebody on site to say oh it's okay it's not as bad as you think it is yeah and mm. all of what we see all of our uh, community testers are trained in so they'll give all of that information to people like yeah. the fact that if you have an undetectable viral role you're untransmittable so it's the u equals u message that's the campaign internationally yeah um and it's always important to link people to care so the most important thing is actually having an updated hiv status each of us mm. has HIV status, you know, mm. and so every in all the time, it's really important to update that yeah. um, after any new sexual partner on an ongoing basis, just to just to be sure, because with the medication being so good, the sooner you're linked to care, if you if you do have a HIV reactive result, it means the, the better your health outcomes and you live a yeah. long, healthy life. The bigger issue with HIV is the stigma that's still associated yes. with it, thanks to the 80s. So yeah. uh, in some ways, those public health campaigns had the most long-living impact mm. of any campaign. You know, there's been how many health campaigns since, mm. but people don't remember it as well, well as that. Why are the numbers higher today than they were back then? What's going on, Nick? So for um, a lot of people, I think that they're maybe not testing on a regular basis. So that's why the rapid HIV testing approach has been great. Or we try and go out to community groups. So we test in bars, we test in community organisations, we test mm. in DASH, we test at our own organisation, the Sexual Health Centre. You can just ring us and get a call. Um, 
and, and that's free and that's free of charge mm. um and remember it's not just hiv so hiv the numbers are increasing but as are the uh, figures for sexually transmitted infections and often i think um that's due to the fact that loads of these have no symptoms so mm. you know you're not going to know mm. for most people a lot of people uh, STIs are asymptomatic so what's, the, what's the, the, the most renowned STI that, that, that's out there at the moment so gonorrhea I'd say would it be gonorrhea and chlamydia are, are always big ticket items yeah and there was a syphilis outbreak as well over the last couple of years so it has monkeypox hit the monkey pox, yeah so monkeypox is hit Ireland and, and that's uh, an ongoing epidemic that public health are monitoring now at the moment um, and and for for a lot of people you see they maybe they don't perceive the risk or uh, I remember in college one of the big things they spoke about was this idea of unrealistic optimism you know mm. where you think um, maybe you have had a risk but it wouldn't happen to me or yeah. it's not going to be me uh, it, it sure couldn't be and it has never been yeah. so easier to have casual sexual encounters with Tinder and plenty of fish and stuff yeah. like that yeah. like people can hook up go and have sex yeah. you know but that could be you know, like I know certain people mm. that have many sexual partners mm. But if you think of the women they're meeting and mm. they have many sexual partners, how many people are you actually mixing with on an annual basis? Mm. The risk goes through the roof. Yeah. And if you're not, I remember when I, I'm happily married a few years now, but when I first got with Gillian, uh, before she would be intimate with me, I had to go to the mm. Victoria Hospital, you know? Oh, yes, yeah. And I had to get checked. Yeah. Know, very mature thing for her to, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I did, no, it wasn't straightforward to be honest well it's sore like they stick a drawn earbud down through your mickey mm-hmm. two of them the second one really hurts <laughs> but then you get the eye clear i was delighted then yeah. you know but and they're a lovely team they're like they yeah. make it as uh, yeah. as comfortable yeah. as it can be yeah <laughs> and i think it's it's there every day so and it's discreet as well really discreet and when you when you go in uh, i think they it's because it's there every day they don't bat an eyelid you yeah. know uh, for an awful lot of people going in, they might feel nervous about it, or they might feel like it's an intimate part of their of 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 their life, and they're nervous to discuss it with somebody. But for that team, sure, yeah, they're at it all day, every day. So, yeah. um, it's great, and it's never been simpler to get a screen now. So, for all those people that are are hooking up on a regular basis, what we'd say is after new, every new partner, just have a screen, um, just have an updated. What does the screen involve? Um, so you can get a screen now via sh24.ie, so Sexual Health 24, um, and it's an online STI screening service from the HSE. What's to do this? Send a pack out to you and, and, send the pack and out you do it at home? Yeah, so Jesus. white envelope arrives, t- totally blank. Um, all the information's in there with a guide on what you have to do. Um, That's very important, actually, yeah. for people to know that. There's no excuse. Some people no still have a bit of shame in relation yeah. to going into an STI yeah. clinic, you know. And in fairness to the HC, Fair Placement, the Sexual Health and Crisis Pregnancy Programme have been leading it in this nationally, and they've just made it a full national programme. So it started as a pilot. We were lucky in Cork, because yeah. Cork and Kerry were included in the pilot in Dublin, and they've, um, and they've now expanded it nationwide. So it doesn't matter what your address is in Ireland, you can log on to sh24.ie and order a screen and it'll arrive out in the post to you post it back and they'll ring you up with your results so for many people they would be nervous maybe about or it might be location like they mm. might be living in, in a town that has a public SGI screening service mm. so you don't need to anymore yeah, that's yeah. we did a corporate talk <coughs> last week in a ring a skiddy in a pharmaceutical company called Hovion and one of the drugs they uh, manufacture is treatment for hepatitis C Oh, yeah. Now, I remember years ago, a friend of mine had hepatitis C and he was going through a treatment interferon. Mm. And uh, interferon, it was like a type of chemotherapy. He used to have to inject himself in the stomach every week. He was very sick, lost mm. a lot of weight, skin mm. colour looked terrible, very sick. When I was working in the homeless service here in Cork, many years later, I was bringing this guy out to uh, the CUH. He was being treated for hepatitis C. He One tablet a day for 10 weeks. There was no side effects mm. and it cured him. Yeah. Non detectable. Amazing the advances in medic- medicine. Oh, medicine's totally transformed. Yeah, mm. it has. And like for HIV and for many people, it's just one tablet a day as well done. So they just think about their mm. HIV in the morning and that's it. The stigma is much is the much bigger issue that people are living with. So. Can can you tell us a little bit about the, the actual fears? Maybe some of the people that walk in your doors, like, and and they have fear that they may have HIV. Like how how do your your yourself and the lads above in the the sexual health centre approach somebody that comes in like that? Um, 
so a lot if somebody's to ring us um we'll be able to talk through all the things i just spoke about there mm -hmm. so uh, the the options available to you. So the U equals U message and the fact that HIV treatment has increased so much. I think it's always, for my team, it's always about meeting the person where they're at. So yeah, yeah. just being a human. Like exactly. Everyone yeah. just wants to, to meet another human and not feel judged mm -hmm. when they maybe have built this up for themselves. And people don't make a phone call to any service, actually. I don't think it's just sexual health, but to any service without that build up at home first. Yeah. So they're quite anxious by the time they've got on the yeah. phone. They've probably thought, of, thought about it for weeks or yeah. days yeah. even. You can imagine how they're rock turning up to your door and they're still the fear that they're probably feeling and even the shame, Yeah, you know, and they're walking in the door and like the approach from yourselves is, yeah. and the body language and everything that goes with that is the most important thing yeah. that's going on in their lives and i suppose if you meet it with a welcome and yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah and make it just make it like a normal thing yeah and yeah, you, yeah. you have to realize <laughs> like yeah. yeah there's nothing that you haven't come across before no you've seen it all before people recover and there's treatment for everybody no matter what they have yeah and even for people that have a non-reactive result then we have lots of people that come through the door just for an updated hiv status and they have a non-reactive result but there's you know there's prep now and there's pep so prep is pre-exposure prophylaxis the tablet you can take every day as well and even then if you are exposed to the hiv virus it will stop the hiv virus from mm. from contracting in your body so well, uh, it'll just uh, put it yeah. all together or you can take pep so post-exposure prophylaxis yeah. if you fear that you might have um, being exposed to the virus you can just go to your local mm. sti clinic I, or I have, a vague, I have a vague memory of me and you doing a you equals you video for the sexual health you center. did you were oh, great yeah, yeah. 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 no that took about 30 <laughs> takes it was only about 10 <laughs> seconds <laughs> long there was a blooper made now there was a <laughs> you're just on time because the first of december is world aids day so yeah. we're launching our um, our park run our yeah. world aids day run which we do every year with balancolic park run and Glen river park run and yeah. We're going to Tremor Valley this year as well. Yeah. Let's make Timmy the face of AIDS yeah, and Cork. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's in HIV stigma this year. If you need a video, give us a show. Yeah, we definitely yeah. will. Yeah. Definitely tell, will. Us, tell us uh, about what what kind of aftercare you could get above in the sexual health centre if 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 you have maybe um, if you're struggling around transgender, a gay man, um, just you you you're not kind of open to the idea of this, but how do you deal with people that are still in a little bit of denial and and they need a little bit of help over the line? Yeah, so we've we've two programs for that. One is our LGBTI support worker. So, um, we were funded by the HSE a couple of years ago. Uh, thankfully, for this worker to join our team, I think, you know, growing up in Ireland, sexual assault, I think, but uh, when you are from the LGBTI community there were no examples of what a healthy relationship looked like yeah. if you were in an LGBT relationship. Um, and often, you know, there wasn't as many role models as there is for, for our heterosexual counterparts. So the LGBTI support worker is there for people to um, have an open and honest conversation with and try and guide them through their journey. Um, so it's not you know that's specific for every individual people come in with their own needs it might be something around healthy relationships maybe something with their journey about coming out it may be something related to their sexual health and intimacy needs yeah. so um people can struggle with that or it may be queries that they have around sexually transmitted infections and how they can protect themselves or how they can navigate protecting themselves within a new relationship or an existing relationship mm. so we do an awful lot of one-to-one -one work with that we include LGBTI in all of our health promotions, so it doesn't matter where we are, there's a, yeah. a part of our workshop includes the LGBTI community um, and gender and sexual identity. And then um, we're also on a lot of those hookup apps. So we have professional accounts on those hookup oh. apps so people can reach out and ask us questions. That's handy, actually. We can signpost yeah. them to services, yeah. you know. Yeah. So um, that's one of our newest services and it's, it's a busy service. Is so it? yeah, mm -hmm. so we get about 10,000 queries a year uh, VR helpline um, we distribute around 40,000 condoms a year like you know people don't often say oh sexual health center and I know where you are but plenty of people find us mm -hmm. so you know when people are looking for us we are there and for loads of those things online isn't it for many people is is where they're at most so mm -hmm. meeting them yeah. on, on dating apps or making our services 
um, more readily available online that they can order condoms and we'll just post them out to them is so much simpler for them. Mm. That's amazing. Yeah, it's great service. It's like it's 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 it's, it's like a different world completely to what what I grew up in the eighties. Mm. We we had no there was no edu- education around um, sexual education or anything like that. And when I speak to my own kids today, they're telling me that somebody's after being in in the school today and they're after teaching about sexual education mm. and they have all the the drawings on the board, you know, on the on the uh, on the, the camera or whatever it is, the television. And um I talked to him about it and there's no shame. Yeah. I could have never talked to anybody when I was young like that because I didn't even know where I, I didn't even know where to start. I was yeah. so confused. Yeah. You know, even around my own sexuality mm. as a young young person, mm. I didn't understand it because it was never it was never explained to me growing up you know um single parent family you know and um school there was no sexual education and mm. when i listen to my own children today that's a big deal today isn't yeah. it for for kids they're actually starting to understand it do you think because of that maybe kids today are having sex a little bit younger um like, I don't know if they're having sex younger, but I definitely think it's important to give them the resources they need in order to make the choices that they want to make for themselves. So last year we launched Shift, which is our sexual health information for teens booklet. And like that, from my years going through now, we, uh, the booklet was made with young people. So what were, like, we were interviewing them and had focus groups around like, what's coming up for you and what are your lives like? What do you need information about? And so there's everything from puberty to communication to new relationships to STIs to um, menstrual health, um, pregnancies, everything. Consent. Consent is a huge part. Yeah. Yeah. And communication, communication cycles. And and all of us have a love language, so people hear things differently. And, and, you know, in communication, there's a sender and a receiver, isn't there? And so just because you send the communication one way, it doesn't mean that's exactly how it's received or perceived on the far side. Um, And so being very clear on your communication and consent is is crucial. Um, So, yeah, um, that's a really important resource because actually the most important thing is that you're you're knowledgeable and that you have all the tools at your disposal in order to make the choice that's right for you. And the healthy choice for you moving forward. Do you go into schools or do you just have the literature for schools? We just have the literature for schools. So we don't go into schools. Um, I suppose over, over the years, RSE has transformed. So there was a point in time with the Sexual Health Centre did go into schools and did an awful lot of schools work. And then um, a number of years ago, the uh, Relationship Sexuality Education curriculum was overhauled and changed. And that's still ongoing. But teachers now are getting trained um, and are seen as kind of best placed. You know, yeah. they're with young people all the yeah. time. They're a trusted uh, person in the young yeah. person's life. The young person can go back to them as well time and time again if they have any query. So we see ourselves as a kind of an addition to schools. You know, we have that shift resource that we will post out to schools. So we posted mm. 6,000 of them at the start of this year across Cork City. So they're available uh, to schools should they need them. Um and then if schools have any queries, we'll always contact them and say that they can signpost into us. What could we be doing better? Or where, 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 what would you like seeing, like to see more being, of being done around sexual health in this country? I think um, for things like SH24 have really transformed the area of sexual health in this country. So the fact that you can get a screen at home at any point in time is fantastic. Mm. And promoting that is, is a huge thing. I think in the area of HIV, really promoting uh, the U equals U message around undetectable equals untransmittable, you know, that we're not stuck back in the 80s message that we do know now um, that people on effective treatment cannot pass on the virus. And actually the stigma is all based in ourselves. So that's yeah. why we go out and do the run to try and highlight what the myths were and what the facts are in relation to HIV today. Um, I think in relation to we've crisis pregnancy support service, you know, that knowing that people can access a counsellor and you know a crisis pregnancy any pregnancy can turn into a crisis you know if you, if you lose your job if if your relationship changes if if it becomes stressful if it if you've threatened to miscarriage if there's anything that happens that you can actually access that service is really important it's a um, great service it's a brilliant service yeah, yeah really good service um and the there is i think having the knowledge and being able to talk about sexual health um, with your friend groups, with your peers, 
and being able to know where you can find a service is really important. Like we're really lucky in Cork, there's mm. 10 agencies working broadly in the area of sexual health. Um, if we're from the Gay Project and Link to Sexual Violence Centre, the Youth Health Service, a brilliant service over in Penrose Wharf, mm. the South Infirmary, we've got public health departments, health promotion departments, SATU, the Sexual Assault Treatment Unit, ourselves and the HIV Clinic. And um, together we've come together and launched mysexualhealth.ie, which is a one-stop shop for anyone living in Cork and Kerry. So, so every service is on there. Everything. Yeah. That's so. Fantastic. We'll have to link our podcasts. Yeah. We've had yourself, no, Mary Crilly. Oh, yeah. We've yeah, had yeah, a couple great. of survivors of people that have well. yeah. had the sex therapist. Mm. We had Georgina, who was sexually assaulted, and she gave her experience. Oh, yeah. So there's some relevant stuff there as well yeah, that yeah. Um, we'd be happy to give you if you went to them. That'd be great. Pleasure great. talking to you, Martin. Pleasure talking yeah, to you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Martin. Um, it's been very educational, not just for. Myself and James, we're okay. sure for a lot of the people listening, um, and it might hit home for a lot of them as well. They might be going through some sort of issue, and they might get a lot from just listening to you and listening to us and just maybe minimising what's going on in their head mm. and um, giving them pathways and, and, and sh- opening doors for them to walk into your, your centre and... Um, Pick up the phone. Pick that's it. And and, and just get that courage. That courage to walk in there and talk about what's going on for you. Yeah. You know, because yeah. we all know how how an issue around um ourselves or sexual kind of identity can really bother us around mm. shame and, and all these other things and just talk about it. Mm. And, and it takes all that pain away, doesn't it? Yeah. That's it. Let's talk about sex to hey. me. You're <laughs> <laughs> starting up a little boy band now here, James. See you later. See you later, everybody. Thanks, Mark. Thanks. God bless. God bless, lads. Bye. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.